You're listening to the Beside the Badge podcast with your host, Paul Bunker, veteran chaplain and friend to law enforcement. Welcome back to another episode of Beside the Badge. If it's your first time, my name is Paul Buckner. I'm a civilian police chaplain in the American Midwest, and I want to talk today about something very near and dear to my heart. I was having a conversation the other day with the venerable uh, Colonel Dave Grossman. I'll have to have him on our podcast one of these days. And we were talking about, on the church safety side of things, we were talking about things, and I commented as a civilian police chaplain about how we as a, as a nation need to be careful that we are not doing to our law enforcement what we did to our Vietnam veterans. And that resonated with him. And I told him, I said, I was going to, I was going to talk about it on one of the episodes of my podcast that was coming up soon. Well, today's the day and, um, it's a heartbreaking situation. So I want to go back to go forward. Let's talk about what happened to our Vietnam veterans and Anyone who served in Vietnam is going to say, yeah, that's that's accurate. Anyone who grew up in a home or was friends with somebody uh, who served in Vietnam is going to understand what I'm talking about. If you grew up in a home where uh, your your dad, your mom was a Vietnam vet, if you grew up in a, in a home where you had a relative that was a Vietnam vet, you probably found that at one point or another, the subject came up of how they had been treated when they came home or how another veteran had been treated when they came home. So let's talk a little bit about the Vietnam War. The Vietnam War was a highly uh, politicized war. The Vietnam War was that um, it was very divided along party lines in many aspects. The Vietnam War was, um, it was unpopular in some ways and popular in others. But then um, we had a movement in the United States that was very anti-war. And we had people because of um, either things they had seen in the news or their political leanings that felt that they were entitled to get in the face of a veteran, spit on a veteran, uh, throw urine on a veteran, or even potentially attack a veteran, which is a very bad idea. And um, so we had uh, servicemen and women coming back from combat uh, in Southeast Asia, and they would get off the plane, they would get off the boat, having served their nation, feeling justifiably that they had done the best that they could do, knowing that they were home, looking forward to potentially settling back into society, and uh, being greeted in the airport at the pier by uh, a group of protesters, or in some cases, one person. And it's so sad to me how such a small group of people could devastate an entire generation of our veterans. And this is why I think this is worth looking at. This was not a large group of people. This was not millions of people that were that were uh, standing up in lockstep and demanding something, that, not even close. And so they had seen things on television. And, and in some cases, there were uh, a handful of incidents in Vietnam that were atrocities, things that should not have happened. Uh, in some cases, they were embellished by the media, go figure. In some cases, there were things being reported in the media that simply were not true. Does that sound anything like today? And so we have these situations where our veterans were coming home and uh, being greeted um, very harshly by people screaming, you're a baby killer, and calling them all kinds of names, calling them murderers, spitting on them, throwing urine on them, etc. 
And I even have relatives, close relatives that came home and were spit on or whatever. And, um, that was a shock to them. And, you know, it's, it's literally assault. And uh, some of our veterans kind of responded understandably to those circumstances, but they came home and weren't, weren't really able to talk about what they'd been through. They had seen terrible things. They had fought a, an enemy that was steamrolling over a population and, and that enemy was committing terrible atrocities. And they knew the face of war. They knew the reality of what they had faced in Southeast Asia. That's why you see these bumper stickers, bumper stickers to this day, people in their 70s and going into their 80s, the bumper stickers that say, if you didn't go, you wouldn't know. Because to this day, they're going, you don't understand what I went through. And we had a lot of folks at home that were only being told and shown things on the television. And um, we deal with that literally today. So we had men and women that gathered in our VFWs that are our veterans that that was about the only place they could talk. They felt ostracized from their society. Um, suicide was not uncommon. And there was a lot of, of drinking and trying to cope with what they faced. Again, anybody who understands what our Vietnam veterans went through has a, a really good idea of what happened. Not every veteran came home uh, to that greeting. Not every veteran came home to, to some type of a, a substance abuse. I'm not, in, I'm not saying that even remotely. Um, I know a lot of veterans that came home from Vietnam. I was born right after the war. Uh, was over and uh, as everybody was coming home, but I grew up in a time where we really didn't talk about it. And, and as a young man, I had all these questions and I wanted to, um, I wanted to ask these questions and I didn't understand why this was happening. And, um, I remember talking to friends, dads that had served and, uh, in the course of talking to my friends, dads, they were very closed mouth because they, of course, you know, young people ask stupid questions and, uh, did you ever kill somebody or how many people did you kill? Or did you ever have to shoot somebody? Or did you ever see somebody die? It's a really dumb question that young people ask because young people uh, romanticize war. So we pretty thoroughly covered a lot of the basics of what happened to our Vietnam veterans. And that's why to this day, you will see things like our servicemen and women coming back and people will say, thank you for your service. That literally came out of our culture realizing, hey, we hurt Vietnam veterans. People, Vietnam veterans finally began to speak up and people began to champion 20 years later, champion our veterans and say, hey, thank you for what you did. You, you, you fought for our nation to make sure that that war against communism happened over there and not here. And so with, you know, our Desert Storm veterans and, and all of our veterans that have fought over the last 20 years, they frequently hear thank you for your service because people are like, man, I know what happened to our Vietnam veterans. I don't want people to go through that again. We see attacks verbally on our veterans to be much fewer. Our culture has shifted because of the mistakes, the travesties that happened with our veterans. So in a moment, I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about what is happening to our law enforcement. I'm going to take a very, very quick sponsor break today. So I'm blessed to have three sponsors on this podcast, and I'm blessed to be sponsored by uh, John Lee O'Reilly with, um, with uh, Gentle Response. Amazing guy. 
a huge background in law enforcement and never before in our history have de-escalation skills been more important for our law enforcement, for businesses, for individuals, for churches, schools, etc. than in the society that we find ourselves in today. Extremely pertinent information to have. Uh, secondly, Got Your Six Coffee. Uh, absolutely love their coffee. My buddy Eric Hadley owns the company and they literally take the, the net profits after what it takes for them to survive and they give them away to law enforcement, EMT, paramedic, uh, firefighter, and veteran causes. I absolutely love what they do. Got Your Six Coffee is a personal favorite. I got a little swag the other day when I went and visited him. They got some patches. And uh, so if you are a coffee drinker, check them out. Thirdly, Shield Force International happened to be wearing one of their shirts today. Matt Combs with Shield Force International and uh, he teaches uh, ambush survival and things that are extremely important to our law enforcement to this day. So let's come back and talk about what is happening to our law enforcement. So we have people, just like during the Vietnam War, a very small group of people are actively and militantly, some of them being bussed around our country. Every time something happens, and I'm just going to be honest, um, if a if a white cop ends up in an altercation with a white American citizen, um, it's a non-event because the media doesn't care. Um, unpopular opinion, but it's true. If a black cop or Hispanic cop or an Asian cop or, or a Smurf cop ends up in an altercation with a white American, nobody cares. It's so sad that we, that we in our media is trivializing the fact that a person dies and only cares when it's along racial lines. It's literally being done on purpose. And um, they don't celebrate the fact of all the lives that were saved. I mean, I know a young man that his very first week as a cop, I'm a, I'm a chaplain. I ride with police departments. I work with about 40 cops directly. He saved a baby alongside a firefighter. The t working together, they saved a baby that was, that was not breathing. Um, that was not in the news. But only when there's a tragedy is it in the news, and not when it's a tragedy that involves a, a black officer uh, with a white person or, or, or anything that is not uh, a white officer typically against perhaps a, a black person. Are there things that happen that shouldn't happen? Absolutely. That's part of why I'm a chaplain is to help keep the good ones behind badges and hopefully to bring them closer to God. I mean, I'm, I'm an evangelical Christian and a firm believer in, in God in heaven, firm believer in the Bible, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I want to change lives for the better. I want to help people get through the terrible things that they see. But when we're dealing with situations where, um, for instance, I know of a town where a guy was out of control on drugs. Um, and um, because of the drugs he was on, imagine a mix of fentanyl and methamphetamine uh, and these different drugs that people get themselves on. Uh, methamphetamine is an upper um, and fentanyl is a downer, just to overly simplify it. Imagine you're going down the road at 70, 80 miles an hour and you jam on the gas and the brake at the same time as hard as you can. Something's going to blow in that vehicle. You're going to blow an engine. You're going to flip the vehicle. So this man fought an officer, actually ultimately multiple officers, and they got him into the vehicle and uh, at the hospital he coded um not because they beat him severely, but because of all the damage he did to, to himself over years of abusing drugs. And he got his engine revved so high, it's like taking nitrous oxide or alcohol and pouring it into an engine. 
And you might get a lot of performance out of it for a few minutes, but you're going to blow that engine. And so sadly, this man is, is facing severe, um, he survived it, but he's facing extremely severe uh, repercussions from what he, what he was doing when he was fighting these officers. He, he made a choice and he chose to fight in a situation that all it did was rev his heart up even more. And at some point, this is why, so, I mean, I wish in our media, they talked about how many people OD from drugs every day, overdose. They don't talk about that. I wish in our media, they talked about the rampant um, fentanyl being pumped into our country from China. They don't. I wish that they talked about what methamphetamine and fentanyl and all of these mixes of prescription drugs and alcohol do to the body. And I wish that the American people understood when somebody is high on these drugs, there's a reason that we give certain drugs to people going into surgeries that numb them. Uh, we give them local anesthetics and they don't feel anything. When some of these people are on these drugs, and I've, I've fought a guy that was, that was doing his best to beat three cops up. He attacked them. Uh, and, and it took four of us and, and two tasers to get the guy in handcuffs and get him under control. Um, he was injured. He injured himself during the altercation even, but he couldn't feel it. He didn't know he was doing it. The rages that people go into. I've talked to friends that have overcome drug addictions and they talk about rages. They talk about hearing voices. I mean, some of the things that happen when people abuse these drugs are absolutely terrible. I wish the media talked about that. I wish the media talked about, like um, yesterday, I was riding with a, a gentleman that, as we were chatting, went through a restaurant drive-through, uh, young officer, great guy, and the guy at the drive-through was like, "Hey man, are you still in this town? Are you still doing this, that, and the other?" And he's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "He's like, man, I, I appreciate you." And I was I was kind of picking on the officer I was with, and I was like, "You know this guy?" And he's like, "Yeah, he's he saved my butt a couple of times," and he's like, "A couple of years ago, I was really badly addicted to drugs, and he helped me get away from it." I wish the media talked about that. That's not a police officer's job, by the way. They're there to enforce the law. I, I wish that the media talked about all of the officers who go out of their way to um, to help somebody. Um, slip them a 20 when they know that they're broke and they know they're trying to get away from a bad situation and they need gas money. That happens more than you think. Um, taking people and helping them get groceries. I talked to an officer the other day. He was walking through a store with a gal that um, she and her children very, it was a down on their luck situation. They needed money um, on a cop's budget, which is meager at best. Um, he was helping them buy groceries and uh, I slipped him an extra 20 and said, hey, you know, get him a little extra something. That's, that's something that is not in a cop's job, but they do it. Um, I wish I wish they talked about that. I wish they talked about literally the police officers who run into buildings and and save children before the fire department gets there because law enforcement typically are the very first responders to arrive on scene. I wish that the media talked about that. I wish that the media talked about the times that officers talk people out of committing suicide. They talk them off of literal ledges. They talk them off out of situations where they're holding a gun. And they're preparing to kill themselves. Um, I wish they talked about the times that that police officers do a CPR for 30 minutes straight on somebody who is probably going to die anyway. And they load them up in an ambulance and they end up doing CPR on that person, chest compressions, all the way to the hospital. And they're completely exhausted. I mean, if, you, if you've ever done CPR for more than a minute or two, you're, you know what I'm talking about. I wish the media talked about that. 
Um, you know, I wish the media talked about the the times that police officers are called to the scene of a, uh, a domestic, uh, like an argument, you know, and they get there and they start talking to him and they're like, you know, you guys need to get this handled. Your kids are growing up watching this. If you want to break this cycle, I recommend some counseling. My wife and I went through counseling, whatever. They find a way to talk to them and they, they help them. They give them that moment. I don't know how many times I've talked to police officers that they got into law enforcement because they had a terrible raising and they want to help young people avoid the bad things. I literally have talked to uh, young people that because of a conversation with a police officer, it changed their life. But the media doesn't talk about that. The same way that um, the media wasn't talking about during the Vietnam War, the sacrifice of the soldiers for each other. We had we had Marines and, and, and uh, Army GIs and we had uh, airmen, we had naval personnel that were every day, they were making incredible sacrifices away from their families, life-altering situations, watching friends and loved ones die, forging relationships and bonds that lasted a lifetime. And uh, many of them adopted kids from Vietnam, um, took care of kids while they were over there. That's one of the things that marks an American serviceman or servicewoman is because of our Christian values in this country, um, we we look at an orphan or, an, or a child in danger not as some cultures do, as a target, um, as someone to be beaten or harmed. Uh, you go into some cultures and, it, and, a, and an orphan child is forced into a, you know, some type of slavery or, or prostitution. That's not how our culture operates. And uh, you look at Iraq or any area where there is a high percentage of orphans and we tend to adopt those kids while we're there and kind of look after them. And in many cases, we find ways for them to get out of that country and get to the United States to have a better life. That stuff happened all the time in Vietnam. They didn't talk about the things where we were helping people to get ahead. They were they were villainizing a handful of actions. Uh, some of them embellished or entirely made up. Some of them very real. And villainizing and and criminalizing in the media uh, situations where these people, um, and again, there were some that did bad things, but 99% of the GIs that were over there didn't do these things. And so they were, they were branding an entire generation of veterans for a very small percentage of things that happened. And the same thing is happening in our culture today. People, people don't realize how many times when a, when a police officer arrests somebody, and it depends on the laws in your state, and that bad guy goes away, that it prevents a future rape, a future murder. That bad guy's in prison. Um, it prevents a, a future atrocity from happening. And people don't realize how many people are alive today because a police officer was able to solve a crime and, and get somebody off the street that would have murdered again. Now, the laws in our country are, are getting worse when it comes to things like this. And it's getting harder to put bad guys away, and that's not a good thing. Um, there's a lot of things that are very broken in our legal system to this day where, you know, I got a call the other day um, as a private citizen. I had witnessed the aftermath of a domestic assault and uh, I got a subpoena to appear in court as a witness five years after it happened. That's a problem. That's a problem. Um, there's a lot of things that happen in our culture that are extremely broken when it comes to our legal system. But to villainize every person who puts on a badge to protect us because of the actions of very of a very few people, that's criminal in and of itself. 
And if we're not careful as a, as a culture of, of Americans and shame on us for allowing this to happen, we're going to allow to happen to our police officers. We're going to allow that to happen, or I'm sorry, that what, what we allowed to happen to our veterans rather to happen to our police officers. And let me draw on another analogy. Imagine, imagine if we villainized every firefighter because of the handfuls of uh, the actions of a handful of firefighters. Look up firefighter uh, arrested for arson. Happens more than you think. Um, and uh, I'm not villainizing firefighters. Some of my best friends are firefighters, but there are a very small handful of people who do very bad things. And some of them are public servants. Um, we don't villainize every firefighter for the action of a very small group of firefighters who go out and start fires on purpose. We don't do that, but we are doing it to our, our law enforcement. And unfortunately we celebrate our firefighters, which is great. And that's what we should do because they are very, they are very brave men and women who run into burning buildings to save, uh, you know, to save people and belongings. That's takes a very special person. Um, but we're doing, we're villainizing our law enforcement. And I literally have been out with police officers where people have said and done very stupid things towards them. And people feel entitled. And this is, this is an indoctrination that's happening in our media. And we need to recognize it for what it is and call it out when we see it and shame on us for not. I might have an opinion on this topic. Um, I was with a police officer one night and it was the first time he'd been able to stop all night. Um, he's a smoker. He was having a, a quick cigarette break, had grabbed something to drink at a convenience store. And this guy goes walking by us and sees him and goes, man, I wish I could be a cop and get paid to stand around all night. And the cop just kind of made a face, glanced at me because he can't say anything. He's on duty. Guess what? I can say stuff because I'm not on duty and I'm currently a civilian. And so I looked at the guy and I said, what you don't understand is this is the first chance he's had to hold still all night. He's been running call to call to call all night. And, and he's expected to be able to hit the reset button after every call. So he goes to a call, somebody commits suicide. You got to go in, their head's gone. You got to stay there for the coroner. You, you fill out all your paperwork and you leave and go to the next call. And it's a, do a barking dog complaint. And then you leave and go to the next one and it's a couple who've beat the brakes off each other during a fight, you know, and they're, they're throwing things at each other and screaming and you go to the next call and it's somebody that wants to complain that his neighbor's bumper is over his property line. And then you go to the next call and it's a child abuse case where a person looks at you and goes, what? When you know that you can tell that they've been abusing their child. It is not a fun world that these people go into voluntarily every day. Many of our veterans volunteered to go to Vietnam. Many didn't. Our police force is made up entirely of volunteers. There is no conscription. There's no draft to make you a police officer. There's no draft to make you a firefighter. These people run towards danger. And, um, so I turned to this guy and I said, you know, what you don't know is, is he's been running all night. This is the first chance he's had to hold still to have a break. And you're not guaranteed in any other business, in any other business, by law, you get a 15 minute break in the morning, a lunch, if you work all day and you get a 15 minute break in the afternoon. If you're working full time, these guys are oftentimes 10 hour shifts, 12 hour shifts, shifts are very, very common, very common. That said, Oftentimes they come back and they have to fill out paperwork at the end of their shift. There was a minor fender bender. They had to fill out the paperwork for that and get it submitted or, or 
there was an assault case and they've got to figure out how the charges should go. It's rough. And so sometimes they're there and it's not, it's not just 10 hours or 12 hours. It's 13, 14, 15 hours. Sometimes you have to go to the hospital. I've been at the hospital with officers who there's a, there, there's an individual who's drunk and their, their blood alcohol level is super high. It's dangerously high. You can't just take them to jail because they could die. So you go to the hospital, they watch over them. Uh, there's some things they can do, but not much. And, and the blood alcohol count continues to go down over time. And then they can safely take them to jail for whatever they're being charged with. Um, a lot of times they're not having dinner with their family because of it. It's hard to set. It's hard to set um, uh, times and schedules. And we're going to go to do this thing after work that most of us take for granted. Oh, we're, we're all going to get together after work. A police officer doesn't know for sure that that's going to happen. And they can be called back in during emergencies. And before somebody says, well, that's the job they signed up for it, that makes me want to smack you because it's a volunteer thing. Yes, they signed up for it, but unless you've ever done anything like it, you don't have any room to talk. And that's a sad thing that that's why the bumper stickers on the vehicles that say, if you didn't go, you wouldn't know. Because well-intentioned people say really incredibly stupid things to our veterans, especially our Vietnam veterans. What's it feel like to be a baby killer? Huh? That still happens. Not very often. And some of these folks never picked up a weapon and went into combat. They were serving in an auxiliary function or they served as a, a nurse or, uh, you know, whatever. And they, but they're branded by some of these idiots as being baby killers. That's a very tragic situation. That's a very heartbreaking situation. Bringing it back to law enforcement, um, to tell you a story, a couple of officers uh, worked a scene where they, um, they, it was a fatality wreck and the decedent was in pieces and they had to put on the gloves and take a bag and pick up fingers and, and bloody body parts of what not too long before that was a human being. It's warm to the touch. This used to be a human being. There's no way to sugarcoat these things. And so these police officers are standing there and they're putting body parts in a bag and handing them to the medical examiner, to the coroner, whatever, and they leave and going, I've never seen that part of a human body before because we're not supposed to. And then they pull up to the gas pumps and they're facing across from each other and they're on the either side of the pump and they're fueling up their vehicles. And they're like, I'm kind of hungry, but can I keep it down? Do, do we dare eat? What do we eat? Um, you know, and they're standing there trying to have a conversation and salvage a little bit of their night, just like, whoa, this, I mean, how do you get past this? Because nobody's equipped for that naturally. It's, it's, if you, if you just shove it off to the side, it'll come back to get you later. It's a big part of what I do as a chaplain is helping people develop coping mechanisms. But an idiot pulls up in his truck and he looks at these two cops and he's like, He's like, is that all you guys do is stand around? All I see you guys do is stand around. <laughs> and he drives off. And these guys are looking at each other going, I can make so much more money doing anything else than this. I literally just had one of the worst nights of my life. And this imbecile pulls up and says stupid things. You, you're out there protecting people from things they don't even know they're being protected from. And then somebody um, walks into the restaurant you're in and goes, oh, <laughs> I didn't do it. He did it. Oh, my gosh, the cops are here. Oh, we're in the best protected restaurant in the four-state area. <laughs> wow, it must be nice to get paid to eat and sit on the side of the road. 
they're idiots. They don't have a clue what they're talking about. And they want to have these, they want to joke and make fun of police officers because they got a ticket. And that's the only contact they've ever had with a cop. Or every time they see an authority figure in the form of a police officer running traffic, they freak out. Well, don't speed. It tends to help with that. Keep your tags up to date. Keep your blinkers going. Keep your brake lights going. Uh, you probably won't meet a cop under most circumstances. But when you do see one, realize... I literally have talked to people who've had to leave law enforcement because of the tragic things they've seen that they couldn't get past, that haunted them forever. And in your day, it will probably ruin your day if somebody yells at you at work. Probably. It will probably at least take a very conscious effort for you to get past it if somebody walks in and goes, you're a piece of crap because you work here. But there's cops that deal with it every day. I literally was with a police officer one night. I've talked about this before in the podcast that we were driving around town. It was, it was early in the morning. I, I don't do that a lot, but he and I were having a great conversation and I just stayed out really late with him. And uh, as we're driving around town, we see a young person. There's a, I don't know what it is, 10, 1030 curfew in the town for people under the age of 18. It helps to prevent a lot of crime. Kids don't need to be out wandering the streets at that time of night. So what ends up happening is he sees the young man, stops him, starts talking to him. The kid's like 15. He's like, look, I'm just going to give you a ride home. We get back to the house and it's a, it's an apartment complex and up on the second floor, walk up and he knocks. And this guy's dad, this young man's dad comes to the door and starts dropping F-bombs and screaming at this cop, you know, where do you get off waking me up? I was sleeping. And instead of looking at the police officer and realizing there's a reason this police officer is standing there with your son. No, dad's a jerk. Dad's a world-class jerk. It's no wonder his kid's out wandering around town at two o'clock in the morning. I'd want to get away from dad too. And the kid's standing there kind of looking down and off to the side like, yep, that's my dad. Wow, dad's world-class. And the officer says, listen, hey, hang on, hang on for me. I just wanted to let you know your son was out around town. I don't care. You think I care? Expletive, expletive, expletive. What that kid's doing? And uh, get in here. Okay, yeah, dad of the year right there. And the officer's like, all right, all right, we got to go. He's like, but I just wanted to let you know that your son was out going, walking around town after curfew. And he's like, I could have, I could have done things I didn't do, but I wanted to bring him back to the house. And so as we start leaving, we're walking across this, basically like a balcony on the second story, walking along this walkway. The guy steps outside. There's no reason for this. And continues to scream at the top of his lungs at us. And, uh, you know, where the blank do you get off? And I can't believe you. And you guys are a bunch of, and continues to scream. We walk, we walk down the stairs and I said, he's leaning over the railing. And so we stayed up underneath where he couldn't see us in case he was going to try to throw things. And, um, he starts screaming, you blankety blanks woke the entire apartment complex up. Good job. no. No, all he did was knock on the guy's door. The guy woke the entire apartment complex up because he's an idiot. This is the kind of stuff that happens. And imagine that happened in your day. Most of us, if somebody called us the names or spit on us that happened to a police officer, couldn't handle it. This is the reality of what law enforcement face. Um, I watched a police officer struck in the back of the head with a skateboard because he was trying to protect another officer, literally could, could have died from the injuries. 
I know of an officer right now who was shot three times and is facing a potential amputation. These people run into the danger that most people would not. Now, I know people that shouldn't have badges, but it's a firm minority. And I've seen people literally destroy their backs, um, injure themselves for life. I know officers that can't feel part of their hand because of situations they've been in to save someone else. Literally, greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. That's scripture. That's biblical. And these people are running into that danger every day. Are there laws I don't agree with? Yes. Are there officers that I feel violate uh, the U.S. Constitution at times? Yes. But we need to work with them, and we as Americans need to be writing our congressmen and women and our, and our representatives and changing these laws to make them better. If we don't like the law, quit blaming the police officer for the law. They didn't make the law. We let it happen. But literally, I've seen officers go into these situations all the time. I was driving one day and saw a little girl. She was lost, had wandered away from the house. Her parents had turned their back for two seconds. It happens. And uh, I don't know if the dog was leading her off on a, on a walkabout or she was on a walkabout and the dog was with her, but the girl was next to heavy traffic. I was paralleling her. I called it in the sheriff's department in that county, which is, I don't know, an hour and a half from where I live. Uh, and I was traveling through there. Um, they were working an officer to me. They were able to get a female deputy to the scene. This little girl was terrified because all, she was seeing all these men and I was keeping people back. The girl had moved off the road a little bit, was not in any immediate danger. And her parents get there to get the girl right after the officer does. The little girl sees this female officer and runs to her and throws her arm around her her arms around her neck and starts crying because she didn't understand. She's two, three years old. I'd say she's probably about three. And beautiful little girl. She didn't get hurt. Life was good. I talked to the deputy and I said, I've just spoken to dad over here. And I said, um, I, I think this was just one of those things that happens in life. I don't think it was a case of neglect. And um, so in that instance, um, that officer was able to be there and make the difference for that little girl. And that stuff happens all the time. And I don't, I don't know how many times I've been in situations where somebody's life was literally preserved because a police officer got there in time. And unfortunately, law enforcement does a whole lot more adult daycare than they need to. If, if Americans would stop drinking too much and stop doing drugs and learn how to get along with, with their relatives, with their friends, with their spouses probably 80% of what officers deal with wouldn't be a problem. I literally know officers that they'll work a, an entire county in a night. There's only three of them on duty. And while they're working that county that night, all they do is run to verbal and physical domestics all night. So they're running code. Now think about if you've ever had to drive fast in an emergency, what that does to your heart rate and your stress levels. Um, and they're having to do it all the time all night long, running from stupid to stupid to stupid to stupid and walking in the door and knowing the people's names by heart, knowing the address by heart, not having to use a GPS to drive there because they know, oh, it's that house. I've been there three times this week. That's one of the sad things that officers face. And it's part of why burnout is so high. I, I know police officers that talk to a woman repeatedly. She was in a, in a very abusive relationship. She chose to stay. Um, I'm not, I'm not blaming her, but she had ways out. 
she put herself in a situation. She was involving herself, involving herself in affairs on top of, um, on top of staying with a guy that was physically and verbally abusive. And she ended up having another guy's baby. And she's dead now because the guy she was with murdered her and dumped her body. And I know officers that are haunted to this day going, I was there 20 times myself. And every time I talked to her and said, listen, if you don't get away from this guy, he's going to kill you. And they're haunted by going internally going, was there something else I could have said? And you can't make people do the best things for them. You can't, you can't make them leave a bad situation, but officers see this stuff all the time. And it's really hard for them not to get jaded. These are realities that police officers face. So in closing, I beg you to the, to the 99% of Americans out there who are, who are God fearing patriotic Americans, stop a minute before you lump all of our police officers into one category and assume that every one of them is a pig with a badge. Don't do that. Realize that they're real people. They don't grow these guys and gals in laboratories somewhere. They're not coming out of test tubes. These are real people that go home and have to have a family life. And don't do to our law enforcement what we as a culture allowed to happen, what we are guilty of doing to our Vietnam veterans. So I'm going to pray this episode out as I always do. And uh, if you liked this, please share it. If it resonated with you, if it challenged you, please share it. I think it's a message that needs to be heard. And it's something I don't say in a lot of my podcast episodes. A lot of what I talk about is geared towards and targeted towards law enforcement. This is a message for the American people. It's a wake-up call. We're losing cops in record numbers. And to the cops, I say, please hold the line. We need you more than we've ever needed you before. From the bottom of my heart, I was offered a, a commission as a chaplain. And um, I'm going to go through the academy barring apocalypse this fall. And I'll have to go through the night academy to do it. Uh, is what it looks like, but I will be a commissioned police officer to be able to better help the people that I serve, the law enforcement officers that I chaplain, um, but to try to be a stopgap, to try to help. They're pulling the goalies, people. Uh, they're clearing the benches. They're putting everybody on the field to try to make a difference. If you don't want to be fighting the scumbags in the street that the cops are fighting, maybe you should take a moment and talk to your congressman and talk to your state reps and talk to your mayor and talk to your city council and talk to your county commissioners and, and say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not be defunding these departments and destroying them. That's stupid. Now Seattle is having to offer huge incentives to get police officers to come and to work there. Do, do you want that for your community where crime has gone up 400% in a matter of days? If we don't want to fight these people in the streets, we need cops. Pretty straightforward. Anyway, I might have an opinion on that. So I'm going to pray this one out. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I, help, I ask that you help this episode to reach the right ears. I lift up every man and woman that puts on a badge every day to protect us, Lord God. I thank you for them. I'm in the trenches with them, Lord God, and you know that I know what they face. I've seen it. I've I've been in the altercations. I've I've been in these places and seen the things that they've seen, and you know my heart for them, Lord God. And I ask that you would guide them, bless them, and protect them. For this officer who's struggling right now, and, and I ask that you would be with him, that you would heal him, that, that's been shot three times right now that I know of, not that far from me, Lord God. I lift him up to you. And Lord God, 
I just ask that you would that you would protect these officers from these ambushes, from these attacks, Lord God, that you would literally bend the bullets around them, that you would supernaturally uh, intervene and protect them, Lord God. And I ask that you would cause the bad guy to stumble, that when the bad guy jumps out with the weapon, when the bad guy tries to attack them, that you would cause them to slip up and give the officer that edge, where the officer gets to go home to their family. And, the, and Lord God, I even ask that you would protect the life of, of the person that's doing the attacking, that they could face justice, Lord God. And uh, I thank you again for every man and every woman that puts on a badge. I thank you for what they do for us. And uh, I lift them up to you in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Beside the Badge podcast. Stay safe out there and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast.